Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm here with Rebecca. So I'm going to have her introduce herself. We had a little oopsie with the bio. Um, and I'm not on my my best game right now. I'm trying to finish my thesis. And it is like, my brain wants to explode. I mean, none of you, including Rebecca, can really see the whiteboard on my right. But it literally has all of my results written. And I'm trying to find the pattern in these res- results so I can share it in my discussion of my thesis. And I'm like, I want to tear my hair out right now. Um, but yes. So <laughs> anyways, little thoughts on me for not following up, but you know, so Rebecca, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know this is hard when I have to introduce myself and like, what do I say? I'm a sparkle human. I don't know. <laughs> You know what? I have a similar intro where I'm like, who am I? I don't know. I'm the magical crystal mermaid. That's who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Really to break it down a little bit. I am a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Um, Anybody who follows HD, I'm a manifesting generator. So I am an energizer bunny with a million things on the go at all times. Um, I am an educator. I am a photographer and a creator. I am a coach and business consultant. I am a crystal collector and a certified crystal reader. I do all the things. And I'm also a mom and a woman and a wife. Oh, I love that. I love crystals too. I'm never, I I keep saying I'm going to get more into them, but I don't. I, yes, I love it. Uh, You can't see she's holding up crystals. I I got a jade bracelet. uh, So People may or may not have realized I didn't get, I applied for PhD programs and didn't get in this time. And uh, I realized now talking to one of my professors, I got four interviews and I didn't get in. And she said, your interviewing was not good if you didn't get in. And so she told me a few things I didn't know about myself that I can approve upon. But another thing is I have a semicolon on my wrist and people may or may not know that, um, stands for suicide awareness. Like I had a suicide attempt and I survived. Um, so I got a J like a thick Jade bracelet to cover that up. And also because Jade stands there has one of the properties is luck. And so I want to manifest some luck up in there, but, um, also I'll cover up that semicolon because even people who study prejudice have it like study prejudice and bias have that. So I don't want to give them a reason I mean, obviously, if they pick me, because I'm going to apply again this fall, my goal is three strikes are out. If by the third time I don't get accepted anywhere, I can still teach with a master's. But I don't want to give them that like subconscious reason to say no to me. So I'm going to cover it up this time. And I didn't last time. And one of the other um, applicants noticed it. So chances are the professors noticed it. Um so anyways, the whole point is crystals. I got a jade bracelet. I'm trying to manifest some luck up in here. Um, so I love it. I love it. But you're not on to talk about crystals as much as they are fun. You've been through some shit since the last time we talked. And I'm just going to let you go and tell us all about that and the things that you've been through. 
Well, you know what? It's an interesting journey. As I was saying, um, before we started this, I went and looked back to see when the last episode we did together was. And we recorded that episode back in March of 2020, and it went live a couple weeks later. And I think for anybody listening, if we look back at who we were, what we were, what was happening in our lives in March of 2020 versus where we are now, it's a whole new world. Yes. And with that whole new world, we've all got these new experiences. And I feel like for a lot of people, mental health has taken a big step into the limelight for them. Because during those years of very differing experiences, depending on where you are in the world, I'm up here in Canada. And so our restrictions Ooh, are Canadians. Put in place. We're Ooh, Canadians. Um, it was a very different world throughout COVID. And during that time, not only um, I have a reduced immune system and a bunch of ongoing conditions. So I was considered a higher risk person. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden I've gone from a day job where I teach kindergarten and a business where I'm photographing weddings with hundreds of people to being told wherever humanly possible, don't leave your house. And for two years, I taught virtually kindergarten from this couch right here where I'm sitting now, from this computer setup that I'm using right this minute. I taught kindergarten from here and I left my house once a week to go to the grocery store. Whatever time I could find that was quietest, usually at like 6.37 in the morning, Mm -hmm. um, to get groceries. And other than that, I didn't leave here. Now, going into COVID, before any of that started, Um, I have struggled with anxiety all my life, but it wasn't diagnosed until I was an adult. I've struggled with depression all my life. Again, that one was caught a little bit more in my teens. Um, I've struggled with learning disabilities that play into those things that weren't discovered until I was in my 20s. And just before COVID began, um, I met with a new counselor, a fantastic soul who was able to sit with me and say, hey, you were referred to me. I am a trauma specialist. And I'm like, oh, well, then I'm in the wrong place because I I, I don't have trauma. I just have anxiety. And she was like, well, you know what? Let's, let's talk for a little bit and let's see where we end up. And it was a big realization that that anxiety, that depression, it was all tied into PTSD. Ah. And I, when you talk about biases and stigma and just these perceptions we have, I'm like, yeah, we have them against the idea of mental health issues, um, especially different generations, places you were raised, your family views, that all comes into that. But we also have stigma as to what certain things mean. I've had people who have talked to me and said, you don't have anxiety because you've never had a panic attack. And I'm like, hold up. I've had panic attacks, but my panic attacks don't look like what you see in the movies. Yeah. I don't cry and scream. I I completely shut down and go super private when I have a panic attack. I don't share that with people around me. Even my husband has hardly seen me in a full attack because I know to get through it, I need to be on my own. Yeah. Where I spend that time worrying about the people around me, about their perceptions, about how I'm affecting them. Mm -hmm. So I was told repeatedly that, no, no, you don't really have anxiety. You're just stressed and you're sensitive. 
or PTSD, Ugh. I had perceptions around and I didn't realize I had these perceptions. It is one of because... the most stigmatized disorders. I'm just sorry to cut you off, but no. I I researched mental illness stigma and it whenever PTSD is compared to other disorders, it is one of the most stigmatized disorders. So just wanted to add that. Well, I, I obviously, I have an interest in mental health. I had been learning for years. I knew it existed. I knew of it. Most of the places I had seen it referenced in my own learning, we were talking about things. We were talking about, you know, uh, soldiers coming back from war, mm-hmm. people who were part of horrific events, whether it was natural disasters or terrorist attacks, horrific, violent events. To me, that's what PTSD was about. And I'm like, I've never been through something like that. Yeah. That's not part of my story. Um, you know, I mean, shared trauma of the world, 9-11, things like that. Yes, but it wasn't on the front lines. I've not been through something like that. And I will never take away from what that is. But there's trauma with a little T. Yeah. Think about trauma with a big T. There's trauma with a little T. And those can be the little traumas. To some people, they could have brushed it off the shoulder. It never would have affected them. And to mm-hmm. other people, it changes who they are and shapes their life and their responses for the rest of their lives. And it was when I learned that and accepted that, that all of a sudden, pieces clicked in place where I was like, oh, there's all these things I never noticed that, yeah, I absolutely do have PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt when I got my bipolar di- diagnosis, because at first, again, bipolar disorder is very highly stigmatized. Um, in my research, my most recent research, I compared schizophrenia bi- and bi- or schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety, and to see how differently they're stigmatized, because there's very little research on that. And they are differently stigmatized. They really are. And bipolar disorder and schizophrenia being highly stigmatized more than depression and anxiety in most in most aspects. But anyways, uh, so at first I was like, nope, I, I don't have bipolar disorder. No, I don't. No, nope, that's not me. And then I went home and I read about it and I was like, shit, that's me. <laughs> so yeah, I can, I can totally relate to being like, oh, but once you understand, then you're like, yep, makes sense now. Absolutely. And just that having that conversation with someone who was specialized in it, but held zero judgment. It was as we went through those first few sessions, walking through things and she asked questions and I started to talk about things and there'd be moments where she would just pause and look at me and I'd go, oh my, wow. I didn't realize that was there. I forgot about that. Didn't realize how much that still affects me. Um, And it was shocking. Sorry, I have noises going off on my end. Oh, I couldn't hear it. Apologize. Well, I'm glad you couldn't hear it. Um, I'm going to turn it off so it doesn't distract me. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. As long as it's distracting you, then totally. No, and I want want this time to be dedicated so we can have this conversation because I do really think it's important, you know. Um, We've been through our own struggles and, and I mean, that lays the foundation to have these conversations. And when I originally reached out to you about doing this second podcast together, it was because these foundations were already there when we talked the first time. 
but I've been having more and more of these conversations with other people who, you know, they're inside communities that I'm part of. I'm not the leader. I'm not the guru. I'm just another sister beside them that they're like, I'm going through this and hearing about other people who are struggling and then trying to support other people struggling has been a really eye-opening thing, especially, it doesn't have to be, but especially lately, it's been a lot of moms and teachers that I'm talking to who are struggling with their own mental health, whether it be anxiety or depression or bipolar or PTSD or any of the other things that impact our mental well-being and the way we perceive and function in the world. And they have other people, whether it's a parent, a sibling, a child who is struggling as well, who is looking to them for support. And they're trying to walk that line of how do I support them when I don't have the support I need myself? How yeah. do I support them and having boundaries to support my own well-being? We understand we've come to a place where there's been so much talk about mental health and about self-care and the importance of taking care of ourselves and putting boundaries in place also in supporting other people with these struggles that how do we find the happy balance where we can support somebody who needs that support while caring for ourselves we know we need to fill our own cup first we know that how is never easy and sometimes these conversations come to great advice and tips or action steps we can take. But sometimes it's just as simple as knowing someone else has heard you. Someone else has been there. They're a couple steps ahead of you on the journey. And there's hope. You can move forward in a way that supports you and supports the people you care about. So where did you struggle with that? Because you're like... I can talk to people about this, but typically when we're talking about things, we already have experience with those things. Like I can talk to people about suicide and I can talk to people about bipolar disorder and depression and all these different things and struggling with your mental health, but that's because I've already been through them. So tell us a little bit about what you went through to bring you to that place to be able to talk to other people. Well, like most people, um, COVID did a number on my mental health. My mental health was always a bit of a struggle to begin with, but I had found a place where I thought I had, you know, I had balance, I had routines, I had coping skills in place. I was doing okay. I wasn't fabulous, but I was doing all right. My days were, there was way more good days than bad, way more good moments than good. And then the world changed. And with that world changing, I had for years been supporting my daughter, through her own mental health struggles. Um, since she was a young girl, like kindergarten age, we're talking, she has struggled with her body image, with eating issues, with anxiety and depression. Um, we went through periods of suicidal ideation and suicide attempts and trying to find the balance to be able to support her personally and give her the resources to find support outside of me so that when I was struggling, I didn't take her down with me. Mm -hmm. Then COVID hit. I'm now stuck in four walls of my home while my spouse and my daughter are still going about close to normal life. Periods of being locked down, but mostly they're still going to school. They're still going to work. They still have some of those core routines. And I do not. 
I had the support of my lovely pup. And then partway through COVID, we lost him. And all my support in my company was gone. I was very isolated. During that time, and even just a bit before that, my daughter's friends were starting to share with me more of their own struggles. I was starting to identify more of what was happening. And our home became the safe place. I became the safe place and the safe person. When we didn't know either how to share those struggles with other people, their stories, the things that they had been through, they didn't know how to cope with those situations, or the people around them didn't know how to support them. I became that safe place to the point that one of her friends moved in with us. Oh, wow. So now I have, yeah, bonus daughter. And very, <laughs> very grateful that we were able to do that. But now I have multiple young women looking up to me, looking for support during a time when I am hitting close to some all-time lows for my own well-being and trying to figure out how I find a new way forward for myself and for these young ladies with so many of the supports that I would normally want to offer them, so many of the routines and habits and coping skills just weren't options anymore. One of these young ladies, one of her best medicines for her anxiety was going to the gym. Oh, no. Gyms are closed. Yeah. There's nowhere for her to go. Yeah. So many of those resources are gone. So many of these children just needed to sit with someone in person, have a little bit of supportive companionship, a little bit of positive touch, safe person to hug, to hold their hand while they talked through something, to be able to see and hear the other person there supporting them in a time when they are so connected by the phones. Yeah. When they're so missing that emotion, that ability to, to see and feel the emotion of the person on the other end. And all of a sudden, we're all stuck in our own homes. We can't be around other people. I can't rush out to get you. I can't take you out to the barn. At that point, my daughter was still riding as a part of her, you know, well-being. And barn nights were suddenly gone. Or if they were there, it was in small groups. You couldn't have contact with the other riders. Families couldn't come inside the building. You couldn't be touching any of the horses except for the one you were riding. And so some of those things went away. And and we had to find a new way through from there. And that's where a lot of these conversations come from. Um, you know, I am lucky. My, my girls are in their later teens. Um, they are, for the most part, doing well. Obviously, we, we all still have struggles and bad days. Um, but puts me in a place where I can have these conversations to say, hey, I've been there. I've been the one who is falling apart while watching my daughter fall apart. Mm. Knowing that she needs more help than I can give her, she's scared to accept it. Knowing that my anxiety is setting off hers, my struggles trigger hers and hers in return add to mine. Mm. But we need to be able to support each other because that's what we've got right now. Um, and to be able to talk to other people to say like, hey, my answers aren't going to be your answers. There is no one size fit all. And that's the 
biggest thing that I'm always trying to remind them is like the struggles are not the same, even if they look the same on the outside. Person's struggles and experiences are unique, and their their coping skills, their the resources they're going to need, the way they're going to find their way through, and their journey through that is also going to be unique. But here's where I started from. Here's what I went through. Here's what helped me. Look, we're on the other side. Is it always going to be a part of my life? Yeah. These struggles mm-hmm. will always be part of my life. And my daughters and her friends and these different people I've supported along the way doesn't just disappear overnight. There is a brighter side. And it's hard to see when you're in it, but there is a brighter side and you will get there. And there is hope and there are options. And just because you knew how to do it one way and it was working for you and that way has gone away, whether it's a person in your life that you can no longer depend on or that unfortunately is not with us anymore, whether it is, you know, a situation outside of your control, like some of the the lockdowns and closures that happened, there are other ways. And if we can be open to that and know going in that there is still hope, it changes the experience. It's not sunshines and rainbows. Don't expect that just because I told you there is hope that you're going to walk in skipping and whistling a tune. It's still going to be hard. Every step may still feel like you're dragging through wet concrete. Yeah. There is hope. And you can be a little bit more open to things. Even if it's 1%, it makes the difference. And this is where these conversations are so important because... We saw the power in the Me Too movement for mm-hmm. one person spoke up, gave a voice, and gave somebody else a chance to speak, and another, and another, and another. There's other places that needs to happen. And it's not just in, hey, I have mental health issues, and you might too. We need more than that. We need to know, like, here's the hard shit I went through part of mm-hmm. my language. Um, but I, I, I'm on the other side. I got through it and it wasn't pretty and it wasn't easy, but it was worth it because I'm worth it because you're worth it. And it's okay to have boundaries. Even when you're supporting someone else, there is a place between protecting your own well-being so fiercely that you turn your back on everyone and giving everything of yourself so that you have nothing left for you. There's a place in between where you can have healthy boundary and still be a safe place, support someone else who needs it. Yeah, I think that's that important. Example for them. Yeah, definitely. I think that's important um, that you brought up boundaries. And it's hard because sometimes people don't respect those boundaries and you have to keep setting them and setting them and, and and being very adamant about this is what I have to give. This is the capacity I have, um, but I don't have anything more than that. And see, I'm a person that's very well, well aware of my capacity at any point in time. Um, and it drives me crazy when people don't respect that because I'm like, listen, you don't want me to turn from being able to be there for you for you to 
Megan, that just doesn't want anything to do with you because you cannot respect my boundaries. So I think it's important what you're saying about boundaries is like, know what your capacity is and what you can do and what you can't do and make sure you set those boundaries appropriately. I love a word that you just used there because it's something that actually this week has come up for me a lot around capacity. We talk a lot about identifying an issue. We talk about the resources. We talk about setting boundaries. But there's a lot of people that even in setting those boundaries, even in identifying and accepting and owning what is happening with them or with a loved one, they don't understand or can't recognize capacity. They don't know where the line is where helping becomes too much. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. It's hard to recognize where your capacity is. It's hard to implement that in your boundaries and in the way you, you structure your life. And even more so, it can be a struggle to understand that that line, that capacity isn't stagnant. It's not always measurable. It's not always mm-hmm. in the same place. Some days, my capacity for other people in general, no matter what state they're in, sometimes that capacity for me is low. I only have this little sliver that I can give. In other days, I can do it all. I am freaking superwoman and I've got (laughs) everything to give. I have all the energy and the ideas and the support and the ability to be here, there, and everywhere helping with everything. In other days, Getting out of the bed and going to the bathroom is a struggle in itself. Yep. Yep. So being able to give yourself that grace, being able to recognize your capacity and the way it fluctuates, to be able to build boundaries around that. And I I will be the first to admit, I'm not great with boundaries. I'm getting better, but I'm a recovering people pleaser. Yeah. I grew I, I up used to be. you give you give everything to everyone else. If there's anything left for you at the end of the day, great. But you give first. You don't say no to someone who needs something. You just give and give and give. And I'm learning to have boundaries. I've gotten much better with that. And I think one of the things that, that no one shared with me when I was building boundaries, whether that's boundaries personally or with policies in my businesses or anything like that, is You can't make an exception to the rule until there is a rule. You can't make an exception to your boundaries until you have those boundaries. You get to set the rules. You get to set the boundaries. You get to enforce them. And I think that wording is also really important is a lot of people are like, you have to enforce them. You do. You get to. You get to be the person who sets those boundaries and decides where do I have the capacity to bend this rule? Mm-hmm. If there's no rule, you can't bend it. We're just all over the place. No one can feel safe because they don't know what to expect from you because there is no rule. But when there's a rule, they know what to expect. And you can find those moments where you can say, this is an exception to my rule. My boundary is normally this, but today I'm making an exception. My boundary is normally that I am in my bedroom with my door closed, other than my husband who shares a room with me. Right. Nobody can come in. That's that, my that means mine too. 
it's my time that I need to me. I am just hanging out, watching a show in my room, or I'm working from bed for whatever reason. My door is open. You can come on in. I am here. I am available. If you need me, just grab me. No problem. But if my door is closed, I'm off duty. It might Mm -hmm. be for five minutes or it might be because I'm trying to wind down and sleep for the night. And that has always been the rule. Obviously, when my daughter was very little, there were exceptions to that rule. (laughs) But now I've had to learn to, to enforce that, to have my space and my time that this is what we're doing. Same thing when I'm at my studio. I'm at the studio. Don't message me and be like, hey, mom, I'm thinking about going to the bookstore. Do you want to come with me? It's not the time. Yeah. I have set a boundary. I am in this space to do this thing. And I'm not available to you right now unless it's an emergency. Right. Same thing with my bedroom. But because I have that rule and I've enforced that rule for a few years now, I can make the exception. That if one of the girls comes to the door and knocks and says, mom, I really need you right now. And I come in, I can make that exception. I can open the door mm-hmm. and say, yep, you know what? Yep. Yep. Come on in. And sometimes it's as simple as mom, I'm just I'm struggling and I just need to snuggle or to sit next to you. I know you're having quiet time. Can I bring my book in and read with you? Yep. Come on in. And other times, not right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, when I was a women's empowerment coach, I describe boundaries like this. It could be a brick wall with no entrance. That means no matter what, it ain't happening. Or it could be a gate or like a gate with a little door where, yes, this is my boundary. You can't come in, but sometimes I'll open the door and I'll let you in and it's okay. So how those boundaries are, some are very strict and that's okay because sometimes depending on what boundary it is, you need to have that strictness, right? And sometimes it's something like you said, once you've said it, you can be a little more flexible. Like I'm the same way. If my door's closed in my room, do not come and bother me. This is my place. And it's always been like that since my kids were little that they knew that's my space. That's that's my place to be um, where uh, there are other things. Like if they knocked and they're like, I just puked in my bed. I like <laughs> It's a little, I'm a little more flexible there, right? <laughs> like, I don't expect my kids to be crying in their room because they're sick and they can't come see me. But they know, like, if it's just something silly and, like, please give me more time on my phone, I'm not going to be happy about that. It's like, that's not the time. So it really depends on, on, on what, what that boundary is. Like, I have a very strict boundary right now. I have a no contact with my mom. Well, that's a brick wall. I will not contact the woman. Because she doesn't understand boundaries. She told me she wished I was never born um, and because I ruined her life. Uh, and she's verbally and emotionally abused me my entire life. No, I have a brick wall. But then other people, sure, sure. I will open this gate sometimes for you because you know what? I'm flexible. So that's how I would just, how I used to describe it with when I was a women's empowerment coach, you can have multiple types of boundaries and sometimes they're more flexible and sometimes they're not. No, um, I actually really like that analogy about the idea of it being a brick wall or a gate and that it doesn't necessarily have to be a brick wall for everyone. Mm -hmm. That again, within those boundaries, there can be different levels of boundaries for different people and different circumstances. There are times that it is a brick wall 
and times that it is a gate. There are people it's a brick wall for. There are people that it's a gate. Yes. I love that. It's very flexible. You know, I love that you pointed out that it's not everybody that is a brick wall for. And it's not everybody, every situation that is a brick wall for. It can be different because that's really important for people to take away is it can be flexible for some people in some situations and not flexible at all for other people in other situations. That's, we look so often for a rule book for somebody to tell us, this is how you do it. Here's the step-by-step of exactly what you do and how you do it. This is how you set a boundary. And then once you set it, it's forever and ever. And it looks exactly like this every time. Mm-mm. You know, there, oh, there's a rule book for anxiety. You want to deal with your anxiety. This is exactly what you do. You take this pill and you do this meditation and you do this and then you'll be perfectly fine and you'll never have an issue again. But there isn't a rule book. There are sometimes frameworks. Um, that's how I like to work. I'm like, sometimes when you, you have a wire framework, mm-hmm. play within it. You know what? I know I'm going to need some kind of resources. I know I'm going to need balance of time with other people and time on my own to deal with my stuff. I know I'm going to need some coping skills um, and different levels of coping skills, things that I can do when I'm at home on my own, things I can do when I'm places and I don't have the privilege of stepping away to be completely alone and have that privacy. I know I'm going to need these things, but what they look like and how they work, it's for me to decide within this framework. There is no rule book when it comes to mental health, mental illness, any of it. The healthiest person is still going to have times where they're thrown off, where they have their good days and bad days, where a situation comes up that's beyond their control and sometimes beyond the imagination. Um, With my specific anxiety and with my daughter and a couple of her friends, when we've talked about it, half the anxiety comes before the situation ever happens, trying to think through all of those possibilities and how we're going to cope with all those situations. And sometimes it can feel really good because you're like, I I know all the things that could happen and I've got a plan. I've got this. And then you step in and you never could have planned for it. Something that you never could have even considered as a possibility happens. The world shuts down for two years. Right. Nobody... Nobody could predict that. Even when they first started giving out predictions, it was going to be two weeks, maybe a month, and we were going to be through this thing. Yeah, if everybody we just did their part, predict- it would be it would be done. Exactly. And nobody planned for, well, what happens if it drags on for two, three ongoing years? Because it just wasn't even in our realm of thinking that this was what was going to happen, that this could happen. You know, even someone who loves researching things like my husband, he's like, "Eh, two weeks is a little bit short, but yeah, yeah, never could have predicted it to be the kind of situation it was for it to roll the way it did worldwide. Mm -hmm. That's our lives too, from the big things to the littlest things. We can't always predict all of them. So we can't have a rule book that tells us exactly how to deal with it because every situation, every person is different. Every boundary is different depending on what you need. They will change over time. Some of them will be with you your entire life. You will decide as a child, 
you do not like being touched or hugged. And that will stay a boundary for you the rest of your life. Other times, it'll change. It'll evolve with you. It's like we're always evolving. We're always changing. We're not even the same people we were at the beginning of this podcast. We have changed for the conversations we've had and the experiences we've had. Our boundaries can change with us. They can be as flexible or inflexible as they need to be based on all of those things. Like you said, brick wall, gate, different people, different situations, both how they are, how the world is, but how we are. Yeah. And and, and it's okay. And I love that you brought up that it's not going to be the same experience for everyone. That's going to be different. I have had um, experience with people who have bipolar disorder and think that we are going to have the same symptoms, same symptom severity and how they feel and how they, what they're going through is the same as how I feel and what I'm going through. And I'm like, no, we are all unique. Um, you can have the same disorder. You can have the same experiences. Like you said before, some people will go through a trauma and it'll be no big deal. And other people will go through the same trauma and it will be really a big deal. The symptoms are different. Symptoms vary. Severity varies. Experiences vary. We are a we are an accumulation of all the things we've been through, all the people we've been around, uh, everything that's been part of our lives. That's we are we are an accumulation of that. Um, so as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? I think more than anything else, the reminder that it's okay. Everything you're going through, it's okay. The desire to support other people, it's okay. The desire to put boundaries in place, maybe even have to go as far as cutting someone out of your life, it's okay. The moment where you have to tell somebody, I really want to help you and I love you so much, I don't have capacity, it's okay. It's all okay. And you are not alone in any of it. I will never sit here and say, I know exactly what you're going through. Mm -hmm. Because I don't. I don't know all the pieces. I don't live inside your head and your heart. And even if I did, I'd experience it differently. Mm -hmm. But I have an idea of what you're going through. I've felt something similar. I understand hard road you're walking. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't always have to be hard. There will be times when the load gets lighter. There is hope, even just a little bit. And I know that you will find your way. And that if you reach out, there is somebody there who will take your hand. Yeah. And There's my people most who have been there before you. In my most recent depressive episode, um, I kept reminding myself, it does get better. I have I have been through this before. I can go, I can do this again. I can keep, I can keep pushing forward. And every day I just did the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So then, you know, it, it, eventually it did get better and I did get through it, but it was that reminder is like, there is something on the other side of this. I just have to get there. Absolutely. And something that you just reminded me of the way you were saying, you know, one day, one step at a time, we hear that a lot. But sometimes when you're in those moments, when you're in those hard places, looking to the person who has already come out the other side of it is hard. It feels mm -hmm. so far away. 
So what if for today, you reached out to the person who's two steps ahead of you, instead of the person who's at the other end of the road? You're not on the journey alone. There's someone two steps ahead of you who's willing to hold your hand and give you a little strength and a little hope. And when you're having a good day, look over your shoulder. Who can you reach back to who's one or two steps behind you? Maybe you can't go back to the beginning to help that person to get to where you are, but maybe you can help someone who's one or two steps behind you to know, hey, keep going. I'm right here and you can get here too. You're going to be here soon. Yes, I love that. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for letting me come on and have this conversation. Um, I hope it helps the other ladies out there. And uh, I really appreciate you. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.